31,000, 45,000, the story of two trains of French resistance. A podcast by Mathieu Landor-Engel. Pierre Vendroux, 46,184, the tattoos. Today is the 9th of May. Pierre Vendroux is back in France, in chalon sur saône between Dijon and Lyon, southeast of Paris, close to the Swiss border. He is exhausted, he is sick, but he is fortunate to find his family still alive, his wife Yvonne, his son Louis. Pierre has something he needs to do, something that helped him survive in Auschwitz. So he gets a gun. Back in 1942, Pierre was a tough man. He had been a soldier during the Levant campaign in Syria. Instead of a release for good behavior, which he didn't get, Pierre came back with his whole body covered in tattoos. He was arrested on the 22nd of February 1942 as a hostage after an armed action in Dijon. Indeed, he was part of one of the earliest resistance groups the Gloria Network. Some say Pierre was the one who threw the grenade towards German soldiers on the Rue de Bourgogne in Dijon. He didn't mind becoming a hostage. He was reassured his son, Louis, a resistant as well, was not arrested with him. But someone denounced Pierre Vendroux. He was sure of it. Pierre didn't know what to expect with deportation, but he was willing to survive whatever the SS would throw at him. Already, he was looking forward to come back home. He made a special promise to himself. Everyone had a strategy to survive. Having a meaning, a goal, could mean a great deal. It could help you stay standing during... It could help you stay standing still during those exhausting roll calls. It could give you an extra reason to wake up in the morning, to stay alert enough to avoid a beating. Pierre Vendroux had a goal, giving him a reason to survive, driving him to survive each day. He also had his tattoos and quickly made use of it. Pierre was affected to a difficult commando in Birkenau, outside, under the scorching sun of summer 1942. Pierre looked around and noticed that all the guards and capos around him were convicts, criminal prisoners. Because the 45,000 were at first labeled as green triangles, criminal prisoners, instead of red triangles, Pierre saw an opportunity. So Pierre took his shirt off and showed his tattoos. He made an impression instantly. Not too many people had tattoos. It meant you were either a legionnaire, a marine, a criminal, or a performer. It was a social marker. It meant you were part of a group who would protect you. Pierre had so many tattoos, it even covered the bottom of his legs. Each of them were telling a different story. 
either a war story about the place where he was stationed, the men and women he met. He had tattoos of animals, women, knives stabbing hearts, three points, expressions, landscapes, and many more. The guards and capos were amazed. They would come to him, admire every inch of his body, listen to his stories. While he was doing that, Pierre could not work. He could not move. That was his intention. He would save himself, his energy, be protected. No capo wanted to beat Pierre. It would have been like running a beautiful painting. So he survived. When he received a new tattoo a few months later, his own number, 46,184, Pierre shrugged. One more tattoo, one more story to tell. When the 45,000 changed labels and became red triangles, it didn't change anything for Pierre. He was already a local celebrity. Even if covered in tattoos and driven to survive, Pierre suffered, struggled, helped his friends among the 45,000, resisted. He was then transferred to Flossenburg with 31,45,000. Amongst them, Roger Debar was still alive. He was transferred once more to the Shao in November 1944. Then he stayed, waited, saved his energy, convinced he would survive. And he did. He was freed on the 28th of April by the American army. Back to the present, Pierre walks down a street in Chalon-sur-Saône. He will need to see a doctor. Pierre may have caught a number of diseases there. But the doctor can wait, surely. Pierre finds the man he is looking for. The man sees Pierre too. He recognizes him. He knows his back. Pierre doesn't say a word and shoots him. The man falls, but doesn't die. Pierre looks at him. He doesn't fire a second bullet. The man could have died, just like Pierre could have died in Birkenau. And this is all that matters to Pierre. Pierre promised himself to shoot the man who denounced him with one single bullet. This is all that drove him to survive. Revenge. An eye for an eye. The man looks at Pierre, not with anger or confusion. He looks at Pierre as if he was the one who was sorry for what happened. Pierre won't do anything else to him, and he knows he wouldn't dare suing him. Revenge has happened. Now it is time for everyone to heal. It may be time for France to heal too. But how? Thank you for listening to this episode of 31,000-45,000, the story of two trains of French members of the Resistance. My name is Mathieu Landau-Engel. 
This episode was about Pierre Vendroux and his revenge. Let me give you a few more information regarding tattoos. Back in the 40s, tattoos were not as common as nowadays. They are not that common nowadays, but they were even less in the 40s. They were a strong social marker. At first, tattoos were ornamental. They were a strong marker of a high-class statue for some cultures, like Egyptians, Aborigines, Papuans, for example. The process of tattooing may also have been used as a therapeutic technique in some cultures. It was also used for darker purposes. Some cultures used it as a punishment and marked prisoners. Slaves were often tattooed so to indicate whom they belonged to. Soldiers sometimes were also tattooed in Roman times. Later on, with the discovery of indigenous cultures, European cultures started to consider tattoos differently. First, seamen and sailors came back from long trips with tattoos, which popularized tattoos. It stayed for a while a social marker for sailors, soldiers, prisoners and criminals. In contemporary times, it became a fashion item. Nowadays, tattoos are less of a marginalized social marker and more of a decorative procedure, which is not to say that it doesn't bear any meaning to those who have tattoos. The website Mémoire Vive indicates that Pierre Vendroux may have something to do with the attack on the Dordogne Street in Dijon, but it is not 100% for sure. Pierre Vendroux's revenge is an odd story, and so is the reaction of the man Pierre shot. It is strange, illegal, borderline absurd, as the man didn't sue Pierre. But I believe it illustrates the strange times that post-war France must have been. Resisters were walking free, alongside those who may have arrested them, or helped deport them, or helped execute some members of their families. There were trials, but some did their job, followed orders, therefore it was difficult to sue someone who followed an order from a regime, the Vichy regime, which was even declared non-existent. Justice was made for some, it wasn't for others. Some people like Pierre Vendroux decided to make justice themselves. This is a controversial decision from a controversial man. I feel a need to add that Pierre Vendroux, according to Raymond Montaigu's book, Arbeit my Frey, at the page 336, had an anti-Semitic opinion. Those were not as strong as the Nazis, yet I feel it is worth mentioning. One needs to remember that France at the time was a slightly anti-Semitic country, and I'm saying slightly uh, lightly. The Dreyfus Affair is a strong example of the state of the opinion, even though it happened prior to the First and Second World War. I recommend anyone to read about this affair. I have been trying to find Pierre Vendroux's relatives. Unfortunately, my research wasn't successful. If by any chance you know of someone related to him, please let me know. I would be very pleased to get in touch and make sure the text I wrote doesn't contain any errors. My sources for this story mostly come from the book Red Triangles in Auschwitz by Claudine cardon amet the book Arbeit My Fry by Raymond Montaigu, Le Convoi du 24 Janvier by Charlotte Delbeau, the website Mémoire Vive, the Foundation for the Memory of Deportation website, the Metron website, and the fantastic website Auschwitz.org. Thank you very much for your attention. Next episode will be about Fernand Deveau and Georges Dudal. 31,000, 45,000, the story of two trains of French resistance. A podcast by Mathieu Landour-Engel.